the most powerful entity in the world is the media, that fourth illegal branch of government. Our media has made people so scared of this virus that gotten people believing in this fiction. The media is really turning into squealer, this pig that's telling the, the other animals what the, the leader pigs want them to believe. It could be considered an epidemic or a pandemic of fear, of ignorance, of reliance upon those that are in power. And that's not what America's built on. The government isn't our parent. Don't be bullied and don't consent away your rights. Ready to live at the higher vibrations where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. So hey everyone, welcome back. I'm your host, Robin Openshaw. And today I want to talk to you about, uh, and I have a very special guest, I want to talk to you about what your rights are. Do you feel like you've lost a lot of freedom? Do you wonder about whether that's unconstitutional? Whatever your mayor did, whatever your governor did, um, is it even constitutional for your legislature to spend $100 billion on contact tracing? For people to go door to door? Well, to answer that question, you should know that I and our guest are suing um, the state of Utah, a bunch of entities in the state of Utah, uh, because we feel strongly that the rights have been violated of literally millions of Utahns, um, but especially people who lost their jobs and, and small businesses that have been destroyed all over our state. So I want to welcome... Uh, one of our two attorneys and the lead attorney working on this of Integra Law, Garrett Smith. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Robin. So we're going to talk today about what's going on. I, My team and I are trying to work with volunteers to get Utah businesses to sign up to be a plaintiff represented by Garrett and also Neil Skousen is his colleague who who cares a lot about what has happened to Utahns and what's happening in our state. And you know, everybody outside our state, Garrett, I mean, I'm shopping for rental properties right now because I think cash is going to be pretty useless in a year. And I think all these Californians and Washingtonians and Oregonians, they're all going to come to Utah. I mean, Californians have been coming here, LDS contingent for 20 years anyway, but I think they're going to start coming here en masse. I have had six different people reach out to me in the last week and say, Hey, tell me about Utah. You know, I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of here. They live in LA or they live somewhere in California. They're like, I'm getting out of here. I've had it. I lost my medical freedom last year. Um, you have no choice about what your child is injected with. It's whatever the state says. So there's already big moves to socialism and nowhere, but maybe New York, do we see as much uh, socialism? And maybe we'll have Garrett tell us <laughs> a little more about what socialism is. Or I can, I used to teach economics and political science and American history. And I'm very, very concerned about our loss of freedoms and, and seeing the state step in and take over uh, areas that they have no business being in, in a capitalist society or even a democratic republic like we thought we had till March 2020. But um, Garrett, tell us a little bit about your, your constitutional law attorney. I know you love the constitution and are well grounded in it. Um, tell us how you and I came to be connected and why we're you know, I think you can speak for the both of us why we're so passionate about this. You know, I was seeing the restrictions of liberty and it's something that I've never seen in my lifetime. And as I talk to people who have been around decades longer than me, they've also said they've never seen it in their lifetime. So I don't think that 
perhaps anyone living has seen the overreach of federal, state, local governments, and even unelected health officials, which we'll get to in more detail a little bit later on. But as, as I was seeing what was going on, and I was weighing these things in my mind, and, and maybe even battling this, you know, when this first came out, I would be a liar if I said that I didn't have some fear and trepidation of what was going on. I thought, it, is this Armageddon? Is this the end of the world? Like, what is going on? This seems to be such a huge overreaction to, to what we now see, uh, you know, as the numbers come out. And a lot of people will say that's because we flattened the curve and all these things. You know, whatever that reason, if we look at it, we say, wow, we very highly overreacted. And in a lot of ways, it was our government officials that were overreacting as well. The media was playing into it. And I couldn't help but thinking of Animal Farm. You know, as, as we read books by George Orwell and he talks about these things that are going on, I'm, I'm just saying, wow, the media is really turning into Squealer, right? The, this pig that's telling the, the other animals what the, the leader pigs want them to believe, what Napoleon wants to believe. And it, it got me really worried about the future of America. So the author of Animal Farm is George Orwell. And he said that... Um, if, if people cannot write well, then they cannot speak well. And if people cannot speak well, others will do their speaking for them. And I think that we're seeing that in large part across the United States. It could be considered an epidemic or a pandemic of fear, of ignorance, of reliance upon those that are in power. And that's not what America is built on. You know, even the Constitution says that these powers are reserved to the states or to the people right? Or, or that it, this is to uphold the rights of the people. And what we're seeing right now is we're not upholding rights of people, but we're upholding rights of politicians and government officials to infringe upon our rights. And one thing that you brought up, Robin, was this idea of socialism. You know, what is that? Well, I'll get into it a little bit because some people, um, you know, wonder what socialism is and how does that interplay with communism? Well, socialism is an economic um, idea, whereas communism is a political structure. And so socialism leads to communism because it is taking control of the free market or of those private industries that are traditionally, you know, run through capitalistic society or, or what I would prefer is the free market rather than capitalism because, you know, in some ways capitalism cuts out the little guy because you have to have capital and the more capital you have, the stronger you know you are. But the free market in its true sense is everyone's got a fair shot and we're not going to arbitrarily say that one business is essential and another is not. We're going to say that everyone has the freedom to run their business under the constitution and let's let the people decide. If people stop patronizing my, my business or my law firm because of who I am and, and the bad job I do, then they should, right? But if I do a great job and people refer to me, then they'll come, right? The free market works that out. And I don't need a government entity, especially an unelected health official to say, you know what, Garrett, your law firm is not essential. And so we're going to shut you down that just flies in the face of the American dream of what America was built upon. And these principles, they're not only, you know, maybe in our blood, we could say, and, and in our passion and, and in what we have as desires for this nation, but it's also uh, outlined very clearly in the constitution. And so as I saw these rights that were being trampled on 
and I was seeing that the numbers that they were claiming weren't matching up, it got me thinking, I need to do something. I don't know what that is. I'm, I'm an attorney in Utah. I practice you know, in, in business law, estate planning. I'm a constitutionalist as far as my nature and, and what I love about our country. What do I do? So I wrote a letter and I posted it on my website and a few people found it and started posting it on Facebook and other social media, which I'm terrible at. And so luckily others found it and they shared that letter. And that's how Robin, you, you came across it and you said, Hey, maybe we need to talk because you have a platform that can reach out to people, you know, and, and maybe even extend these ideas and these feelings to people and inspire them to say enough is enough. We need constitutional liberties. Yeah. And what I started to tell you and I didn't finish is that our biggest challenge so far in reaching out to Utah businesses is that they're actually scared to sign up to be a plaintiff and be represented by you for free, (laughs) for Mm. free in, in, you know, possibly Utah's Supreme court. Uh, and there, and, and this is the challenge that we've had in Utah. First of all, and, and this is my sense, right? Garrett may completely disagree and he can say so, but I find that Utahns, in terms of all the people I'm dealing with nationwide, we are not Michigan. We, we are more insulated from it. People think that we didn't shut down. The story is that there are eight states that weren't completely shut down. And while that's true, Garrett and I are going to talk about how we were shut down. How we, you know, the the governor stood up there and said he cared about jobs, but we'll talk about what he was doing at the same time. But I wanted to tell you that our our toughest thing is to get Utahns to not be scared of getting in trouble for signing up in our in our lawsuit. And there's a part of me that wants to say, people, you know, and shake them and say, you have you you cannot be denied the right to conduct business because you sued the people who destroyed your right to run a business. But then I think. I have a lot of compassion for them too, because they've seen so many crazy things happen that we don't even know where we live anymore. We, we, there's so much, you know, influx of socialism. And and you mentioned that, you know, socialism is an economic system and communism is, is a political system. And I want to mention that what socialism is, and probably everybody will get chills down their spine when I say this, is that socialism is when government dictates the terms of business. Okay. The goal of communism is there is no more private property. So, we have seen a total takeover and you know you can call me paranoid for saying this but as someone who and and Garrett studied the constitution and american history i was an american history scholar ap sterling scholar in american history i lived in washington dc i fell madly in love with early america and the price that many paid so that we can have our freedom and so I think I'm maybe a little more keenly aware than I taught it late, later at Brigham Young University. Um, and so I, I have asked myself every single day of the last three months, and as I watch how human beings are reacting to this and how they're just like, I will give you my freedoms, contact tracers, bring them on, mandatory vaccine, bring it on. There is a cost to all of this. We don't ever get these freedoms back. I mean, after 9-11, when we establish Homeland Security, and TSA, I mean, look at the the trillions of dollars we spend on that. Like, is that ever going anywhere? Once you give them the power, once you give them the funding, like it never gets rolled back. Yeah, the illustration I like to use is once you give up the high ground, it's an uphill battle the rest of your life. And that's exactly what we're doing. And I love that you brought up that we're consenting away our rights. This is a concept that I like to talk about specifically with the Fourth Amendment, because we're talking about contact tracing, we're talking about cell phones, 
We're, we're talking about treatment. You know, even the leader of the WHO saying we'll take infected children out of the home. Garrett, they're going to do it compassionately, though. Yeah, the benevolent dictator, right? The, the, the person who, who holds all of our uh, rights in a jar and decides which ones to pass out to us. You know, that's not America. That's not freedom. What the America I know is the America that's supported by the 5th and 14th Amendment that says no life, liberty, or property shall be taken without due process of law. There is no due process of law for these business owners that are facing bankruptcy right now. You know, we hear every day the next big store that's facing bankruptcy. I think J.C. Penney, you know, came up just a few days ago. And as we look at this, and, and I'm a little surprised by the Utah business owners who, you know, as you're saying, are represented for free to say, hey, come, come join in. You don't have to put any skin in the game. What's your alternative? Bankruptcy? Yeah, right. You know, where, where are you heading toward? If you're worried about sticking out, hey, the, the damage is already done. Now we're trying to prevent this from happening to your children and grandchildren. Yeah, and that's really what drives me is I've had an amazing life and I could just kind of hunker down and protect it and be prepared and ride this through, but I, I won't. I'm, I'm rep Every single day right now, I'm jeopardizing my platforms. Uh, my podcast, we've already been delisted. I don't know if I, I don't know if I told you, but we've been, um, we've had multiple of our podcast episodes removed from Spotify. I didn't know that Spotify was in the censoring game, like all of the social media platforms are, but yeah, they removed our interview with Dr. Mikevitz and the David Icke episodes. And we don't know what's next, but my new philosophy is Bob and weave, Bob and weave. <laughs> That's what that's what we're apparently going to be doing. But, you know, I hope that everybody takes notice. I hope you get a notebook and you write down all the ways that you see that that government, even Republican-led states, historically red states, very conservative state. Utah's had a balanced budget its whole history. Uh, and and we have massive tyranny here because I read it. I, I posted on my Facebook page a quote I ran into of Thomas Jefferson's when the government, when the, when the people fear the government, there is tyranny. When the government fears the people, there is freedom. So go ahead and go look that up by Thomas Jefferson. Post it on your page. It got shared by hundreds and hundreds of people just on my personal page. So it's resonating with some people. When the people fear the government, there is tyranny. When the government fears the people, there is freedom. The government should fear the people. People elected the government. The government is nothing, has nothing, has no rights unless the people endow them. And then the people should be able to end them as well. So let's get into, before we talk about it, like I think it's pretty exciting that there is one state. There's another state that did not. The Supreme Court has already heard the case and Pennsylvania did not rule to over overrule the governor with the lockdown issue. But tell us about Wisconsin and how you read that, Garrett. I think that's a great win for precedent. And, and really, that's what we want to do in Utah as well, is overturn these broad sweeping executive orders. If we look and, and we see how it's been applied, it's what I call unilateral and arbitrary. Unilateral because they are calling the shots without any input. And as you said, you know, governments should only have powers that are delegated by the people. And delegation means that I can take that power back. And what we're finding is they, they feel like they've got a blank check. 
and literally they do if we look at these stimulus checks. I mean, can we not say how impactful this is, not only for ourselves, but for the next generations? And, and so for someone to strike down these orders as being unconstitutional is a great win and sets a great precedent. And, you know, I won't get into the details of the Utah lawsuit, anything that could uh, prejudice the case because we don't want anything thrown out. But one of the things that I, I hope in Utah we can do is hold each of these elected officials personally accountable and personally liable. Because if we get a judgment or we get some sort of order that's just against the state or against Summit County or against this city, then those elected officials that are calling these shots are getting away scot-free, so to speak, because they're not paying anything or they're not really having an impact other than politically, you know, people could look at them and say, yeah, they shouldn't have done that. So we're not going to reelect them. Well, that's okay. But we want to set a precedent that says, if you do this, you are personally accountable. You have shocked our conscience. Your behavior is so detrimental to what's been going on that you are going to be held personally accountable. And so as we're moving forward on this, I, I hope that that will resonate and, and hopefully be a warning against other politicians from saying, yeah, we're just going to do what we want and or other unelected health officials. We're just going to shut this person down because we don't like them. And, you know, when we look at the arbitrariness, you know, the, the arbitrary way that this has been applied, it doesn't apply across the board. And in fact, you know, I was talking with uh, Brian Hyde, another person who loves freedom. And he was talking about a friend who, who said, you know, let's stop referring uh, to businesses as essential or non-essential, let's start referring to them as preferred versus non-preferred. Because really that's what it comes down to is, is your business preferred by the government or is it non-preferred? So for example, if we look at Target, they have become the, the number one bookseller because we have pushed out all of these non-preferred smaller book places from, from running their businesses. And if it was really about social distancing and limiting large gatherings, why are we allowing these huge supermarkets and these huge stores to remain open, letting hundreds of people in and closing down a shop, you know, a little mom and pop's bookshop that may only allow 25 to 50 people in at a time? It, it just flies in the face of reason and shows that this has been completely arbitrary. Well, this is some of what Garrett and I have an issue with, with what Utah not only has done in that, you know, Summit County here in Park City, we were told in the middle of March that we had the same per capita infection and death rate, well, infection rate as New York City. We were told that so that we would stay scared and shut down. I don't know anyone in Park City who even knows anybody. And this is a small community. There's 10,000 people in this county. They not only shut us down and told us that we had the same infection rate per capita as New York City. Now it turns out Utah as a state has the lowest infection and death rate of the entire country. And yet we get seven, eight weeks into shutdown. Nope, we're nine, 10 weeks into it now. And our county, and I want to talk about who who's the doer of the deed in our county. And I want you to talk about, you called it the unelected health officials and the ridiculous amount of power that they have. And now they've set precedent. You know, they did it and they can do it again this winter if we don't stand up to them. But they shut us down. We are now nine, 10 weeks after the shutdown. And our county, I don't know if you know this, Garrett, I don't know if I've told you this. 
or sent you the, the local news story from the park record who will not publish anything I have to say, by the way, I've sent them multiple times saying, hey, how come Richard Burroughs, PhD, our health department official shut down the vast majority of our 7,000 businesses in, in, in Summit County? But, you know, I actually wrote to all these elected officials. I'm sure they know my name. I'm sure they hate me because I put teeth behind it. I don't just say, Hey, Mayor County Mayor Jenny Wilson in Salt Lake. Um, if could she because she wrote me back a form letter and said, I'm going to save lives and I'm going to add a month onto the lockdown as if I'm going to pat her on the back. And what I did instead is write back and say, then I'm going to hold you personally accountable. Then I'm going to sue you. And, and I want everybody to hear this for one reason. And, and I've mentioned this once before. So if you heard this before, I apologize. But I want you to hear this message. It's very important. You speaking up has power. She wrote me back and said, I'm about to add a month to, and she had said it in public too. That's why I wrote her. I'm about to add a month to the lockdown. Keep in mind, we didn't even have six deaths in all of Salt Lake County at the time she was going to add a month to our lockdown. And this kind of insanity is going on all over the country. And I wrote her back and said, then I'm going to sue you. I hadn't even met Garrett yet. I had talked to several attorneys. Nobody wanted the case or they wanted me to go broke you know, running this case, which I'm not even a plaintiff. I have an internet business, right? Like all, all my 35 employees are all still employed. So I figure the living have to help the dying. I'm alive. I'm standing time for me to help out. It's not just about my children's future and yours. It's, it's also just about all these businesses. If mine's still in business, I need to help the others. So I hadn't found the attorney yet, but you know, I want to make this point is your voice matters. You can make a difference because guess what Jenny Wilson didn't do? She did not add a month to the lockdown. Now, is this as big a win as I want it to be? No. And here's why is that what they did is this phasing thing. What that's doing is telling all the people who aren't paying attention to the detail, right? And the devil is in the details. They're not paying attention to the fact that there's no restaurant that's going to open that's going to reopen when they're told that for the next four months, you have to stay at 25% of capacity. And you know why? And I happen to know this because I've been a business owner for 33 years. They run on slim margins and they have to be packed on Friday and Saturday night to even hope to break even, to even have a hope of breaking even. There has to be a couple nights that they are packed. So telling them they have to stay at 25% capacity is massive government overreach. And we're going to have Garrett tell us a little bit more about the Constitution and what your very specific rights are that we're, we're both pretty lit up about, you know, that somebody needs to go to bat for these Utah businesses that have been shut down who apparently think it could get worse by applying to be a plaintiff in our, in our, our, in our lawsuit. But yesterday, um, John and I rode our bikes over to our favorite restaurant here in Park City, Billy Blanco's, and it is owned by the Bill White Group which is a bunch of restaurants. I think he owns eight or 10 restaurants. He grows his own food up here. I mean, he's a great citizen and he has amazing restaurants and it's this amazing, you know, it's called Motor City. Uh, I don't know what it is, a grill or whatever it is, but there's motorcycles and, and old classic cars hanging from the ceilings, not models, actual cars. The attention to detail in this place is amazing. It's so Motor City, every, all the art inside it, all the, the hand-painted art is famous Michiganders, like people from Detroit, um, like Eminem and um, I want to say, oh, what's that guy? But a bunch of celebrities, they're all over the walls, huge life-size, bigger than life-size murals. And we went over there to ride our bikes just to say, are they open yet? We are now two and a half weeks past the 
reopening. When you have guys that are that should be able to, if anybody can, afford to reopen, and he hasn't reopened his restaurants, and Billy Blanco's is not open, they don't even have a sign on the door saying when they will open. Uh, you call them, and it goes straight to voice, and they aren't even trying to like, you know, uh, promote a reopening, and that is what Utah is doing. Utah leads together is the plan. It's a lie. That's not leading. That's unconstitutional government overreach. And our Governor Herbert and Lieutenant Governor Cox, and this is me saying this, this doesn't necessarily have anything to do with our lawsuit. Uh, those guys have stepped back and, and privately enabled our health departments. And, and our health departments have been the biggest part of the problem, in my opinion, in Utah. What do you think, Garrett? And talk about that unelected health department officials situation. Yeah. So for someone to be making these really, I wouldn't say life and death decisions, you know, obviously there, there is some virus, you know, we're trying to figure out all the details and I don't even want to speak to the medical side of it, but it's, you know, are we going to say, well, obesity, which has killed, you know, five or six times more per year than this virus, you know, depending on which numbers you look at is, is doing, does that justify the government in saying we can no longer, you know, drink soda and eat fast food. And now all of us have to eat broccoli every night. You know, where, where do we draw the line? The government isn't our parent. The government is to secure our liberties of life, liberty, and property. And some people say, oh, they're saving lives. Well, I, I don't think that life at home quarantined is the quality of life that any American thinks of or anyone coming to America, America is thinking of. They're thinking of the American dream. And I manage my risk every day. So this is what I, I would say to business owners. I'm a business owner too. And sure, I did make some transitions. I've met with most of my clients virtually because that's what they prefer. You know? And at the beginning, like I said, I was a little scared too. So I said, oh, I prefer that too. But as I'm becoming educated and, and seeing things as they really are, I say, you know, if you want to meet in person, I am totally up for that. I, I was a person who washed my hands before COVID. After every appointment, I would wash my hands. And I just think that's a good practice. And so, you know, not saying that uh, this thing isn't real and that we shouldn't mourn for those that have, have been lost, but let's not mourn for loss of liberty and these liberties that will never come back. We have to be able to stand up. And so these unelected health officials who are unilateral, unilaterally and arbitrarily shutting businesses down need to be stopped. And as a business owner, I would just want to know what my rights are. And so, like I said, I, I think that there's reasonable things you can do to try and you know, help out the, the greater good, so to speak, or, or to be a responsible citizen and exercise public virtue. And so I always say, I'm not going to go around licking doorknobs and tempting fate. Like that, that's not my purpose, but I'm also going to act responsibly and I'm going to manage my risk. And sure, I'll do most of my meetings uh, virtually. But if I have a signing with a client who is aged and, and you know, can't get out to another notary, I'm going to go to a lockdown county. I did that multiple times. And I said, if I get pulled over and I get cited, well, now I've got a court battle, but that's a risk that I'm willing to take. And as a business owner, I manage risk every single day. As an individual, I manage risk. I put this in my letter. I say, every time I get in my car, I'm managing my risk. I'm deciding whether I want to be on the road today. I could get hit by a drunk driver. I could get hit by a texting driver. I could get hit by a drowsy driver. No matter how 
well, I drive my car, I could still die in my car today. And there are 1.25 million uh, vehicle deaths per year, which to my knowledge and to the date of today is higher than the COVID. That doesn't mean the government comes down and shuts down my ability to drive around because there's a potential harm that I could face. I have to manage my risk. And so as a business owner, I would encourage you to exercise your rights, to open up, to understand that, yeah, maybe some uh, self-righteous health department official or you know, however you wanna characterize them, they're, they're drunk on their power that they have now, they come to shut you down. Well, there's people that will fight for you, that will stand up and fight for your rights. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, that we can guarantee a win because we can see that the Supreme Court, you know, even if it makes it to the Supreme Court of the United States, uh, there's times where, in my opinion, they didn't follow the Constitution and they found an answer that, that was what they wanted to find and then backed it up with however they could, you know, whatever case law there was. But the point is, there's something to be had in the fight. And what's the alternative? for these restaurants to not be open two and a half weeks after these restrictions have been lessened, that means that they see opening up as being less effective as staying shut right now, which is really hard for these restaurant owners. I was just thinking about it. You know, I talked about Target and, and how they've become the number one bookseller, which I never thought of Target as a bookseller. <laughs> you know, that, that wasn't what came to mind when I thought of Target. Let's look at, you know, these small restaurants. They have in-house seating they're losing while these big corporations with drive-throughs seem to be doing just fine. They're monopolizing the market right now. And I even have people say, well, I want to support the restaurant industry. And so they'll, they'll go to McDonald's and drive-through or, or whatever. That's not supporting the restaurant industry. That's supporting the big corporations. There's a difference here. And what we're seeing is it's almost you know, uh, Robin, you did history. So I'm sure you're familiar with Sherman and antitrust and all these things when they're trying to break up these monopolies. We are seeing the exact opposite occur right now, where the government is facilitating monopolies. They're taking out the free market. They're letting capitalism reign free and letting the capital, but not only letting capitalism reign free, they're also suppressing the free market, they're suppressing the little guy, the ones that can't survive without that in-house seating, you know, without that ability to gather people together. And, you know, these restaurants, some have been in business for decades and they just can't stay open anymore. And as we, as we look at the, the effects of these government shutdowns and the unreasonableness of keeping Walmart Sam's Club, you know, these big places open that have a ton more people than would fit in this little mom and pop's restaurant, it flies in the face of reason and shows that there must be something more at work here. You know, one, one of the things that we've talked about a little bit is we need these businesses to, to exercise their rights. Well, what are those rights? If we look at the, the Constitution and we look at the amendments, we have uh, certain rights. Of course, uh, the First Amendment talks about the right of assembly. And so I can assemble together with who I want. Some people think, well, that relates to religion. And we saw down in Mississippi, even you know, separating each other in their cars and listening over the radio wasn't good enough for the police down there. They still said they'd arrest anyone that went there. Well, wait a second, that, that seems to be a lot more safe than going into a grocery store. So what's the difference here? Well, are you targeting religion in that place, right? Or, but what about assembly even in a restaurant or to assemble for business to enter into contracts? 
we talk about the fifth and the 14th amendment that apply uh, to deprivation of these rights that no life, liberty or property should be taken away without due process of law. And, you know, as a constitutionalist or someone who loves the constitution, sometimes I'll get people that are the living document people that say, well, the constitution should change over time. It doesn't work, you know, um, the same way and you can't be so purist. Okay, well, let's go to US code. This, this uh, is from uh, Title 42 of U.S. Code, Section 1983, and it talks specifically about civil action for deprivation of rights. It says, every person who under color of any statute, ordinance, regulation, custom, or usage, so this includes uh, policies made by unelected health officials, of any state or territory, uh, or the District of Columbia subjects or causes to be subjected any citizen of the United States or other person within the jurisdiction thereof. So this doesn't only apply to U.S. citizens, it applies to uh, foreigners that are in the country, you know, even undocumented immigrants and so forth. If any subject them to the deprivation of any rights, privileges, or immunity secured by the Constitution and laws shall be liable to the party injured in the action at law, suit in equity, and so on and so forth. Now put that in English because those are long sentences. Yeah, so, so let, me, let me break that down. So if any government, um, and if you look at the case law for 1983 actions, it's specifically relating to state and local governments. There, there's other acts that you can sue the federal government under as well, but this is specific to the states because that's what we're dealing with right now. So if any state or local official under color of law, meaning under the guise of any power, right, even if you have a law that says you can do it, if you violate someone's rights, then you are liable to them. And a lot of these have been done in, in the, the prisoner scenario, right? Maybe there's uh, a law or there's uh, a policy of a prison that allows solitary confinement. Well, if that's considered to be cruel and unusual punishment, which is uh, a violation of the Eighth Amendment to the Constitution incorporated to the states through the 14th, well, even if there's a policy or a color of law that says it's okay to have solitary confinement, you can still be liable because you can't violate someone's constitutional rights. So even if there's a law on the books, I see this a lot with uh, child protective services. They say, oh, we can come into your home and we can interview your child without you there and we can blah, 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 blah. And they have all these uh, policies that outline what they can do. But then I look at the Fourth Amendment and I say, well, there's a right against unreasonable search and seizure. You don't have a warrant. If you haven't um, you know, proved what, uh, you know, your burden of proof to say that there's probable cause supported by oath and affirmation, describing the search and the things to be seen, you know, all these things that, that are just part of our, our original document, which isn't very long, by the way, it's only 4,500 words or so, <laughs> and how many people read it, but uh, that's beside the point. So, so here we are, they say that they can come in, and so that's the part of the law that they'll show to the parent saying, by law, we can come into your home. Well, I, you know, as I meet with these parents or as I consult with them about it, I say, well, let's go to the exceptions. Right here, it says that you can say no. Or in subsection B, it says you can move out of state. Or, you know, it gives all these exceptions, but that's not what the officials are quoting. You know, the health official, they may show up and say, well, under our, our guidelines that we wrote ourselves and, uh, you know, we, we have ultimate power and authority over, you have to close right now. 
that doesn't mean you have to close. That's color of law. That doesn't mean that they can take away your rights to the Constitution without due process of law. And so understanding that they will use this as a way to bully you into submission and understanding that if you consent away your rights, they don't have to, to follow all the laws of the Constitution and, and protect your liberties. That's how they get at you is, is bullying you to consent away your rights. And what I'm trying to say is don't be bullied and don't consent away your rights. Very well put. And it's interesting that you bring up the similarity between this situation we have going on, which affects so many of us. And another very similar situation that I have in my past been very involved with, which is where you say child protective services can come in. And, you know, I, I was very involved sort of accidentally. I wrote an editorial, which got picked up by every newspaper in the state and picked up by the AP wire about the Parker Jensen case. And I want to say this was 20 years ago. And mm. Parker Jensen was a little boy who at the dentist, the dentist said there's a little thing hanging at the back of his throat. And the dentist cut it out, sent it into a lab in Washington, came back probable Ewing sarcoma, which is a rare and very deadly cancer. And so immediately, just overnight, all these state resources converged upon the, the Darren and Barbara Jensen family. And I knew a little bit about it just from the media. And I started writing about it. I was very, very upset about it. I ended up not only like going to court with the Jensen family and going to meet with Attorney General Mark Shirtliff at the time, who was in their LDS ward, by the way. No, their LDS stake in Sandy, Utah. And they, he never bothered to meet them, but he was constantly on national media speaking up against them. Barbara and Darren Jensen, whose son was told he had cancer. He never did. He's now, that, that young man is now a father of three, never had treatment because the parents were like, I don't, we want a second opinion and the state of Utah blocked them. Reason I bring this up is that somebody put something online and a, about what I had done with the Parker Jensen case. And um, and then I got involved with another Utah family, went and met with, with Attorney General Shirtliff. I, I was a bulldog and I reached out to him 17 times before I actually got an audience with him. And I took a Salt Lake Tribune reporter in with me. And first thing he did is kick her out. But you know, one of the things that really impressed on me then, and keep in mind, I once was a psychologist. I once was a caseworker. I worked inside this system. You do not want to be inside this system and you do not want to have to depend on a CPS 24-year-old caseworker to determine these high-stakes decisions for your family. I said back then, after studying this out and seeing the way that CPS, not just in Utah, but everywhere all over the country, CPS here is probably better than some, you have more rights as an accused murderer in our country than you do if your child is diagnosed with chemotherapy and you want to assess all the options. This family was treated like they had no rights. This family was treated like they were in a third world country where there's a police state. It was absolutely unconscionable what happened to them. Basically, they didn't win in court. The case kind of fell apart when I think the doctors involved and the attorney general's office and the guardian ad litem office kind of all came together and they all just made this big rush to judgment and they demanded, they were, they said, we're going to take your child into custody if you don't put him in chemotherapy by Monday. And they're like, Hey, you, we got on a plane and we went to Texas and we were blocked from the state of Utah blocked us from getting a real second opinion. Only second opinion we've been able to get is LDS hospital rubber stamping the opinion of primary children's. It was the most terrible story. Well, families reached out to me over the years. I don't know how they found me on the internet and they just, you know, I talked to so many different families. And it's a very similar situation because basically a lowly caseworker could take custody of a child away from a family and all these other government entities stepped in and, and basically formed a wall 
And there are lots of families all over the United States who have lost custody of their child because they say, I don't know that I want to do 11 months of life-threatening chemotherapy. I'm not sure that's the right approach. I'd like to get a second opinion. I'd like a modified version of that, please. I don't want the whole menu. So it's it's a very similar situation to what we're in. So I, I just want you to talk a little bit about, so, and, and if you feel like the layperson should be the one talking about this rather than the person who has to represent our lawsuit, um, you don't have to, but our health officials have run all over the state. We don't, we never see them. We never get to address them face to face. Richard Burroughs, PhD, here in, in Park City. I have been writing that man emails for two months. He doesn't even write me back. He's never written me back once. He's never written anybody else back that I'm aware of who I've said, hey, you got to reach out to this guy. Like I said, the park record would not would not publish an editorial or a letter to the editor saying, who is this man who has shut our county down? He and the, the, um, the, the council, the county council, none of them wrote me back either. Guess what? These people continue to get their full-time paycheck the whole time my friends in Park City are, their businesses are dying. They're thriving businesses that they spent years and years and years investing in, in many cases at a loss or barely break even. And, and finally, like our economy was really thriving and we have a health department official who we didn't elect, who doesn't even have to stand in front of us and be accountable or get reelected, who not only shut us down, but when the governor gave the green light for the, the Utah Leads Together reopening, has gone to the governor and said, we want Park City shut down longer. Where are all of our rights in this? We watch the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, and the middle class being wiped out here. Right. I, I would say right here, this is a great case in point of what we need to do is assert our rights. So let's take, for example, I get pulled over. And I, I use this example because I think a lot of us can relate to this. You know, most of us have been pulled over, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe some more than others, but I get pulled over and let's say that the officer says, I would like to search your car. Can I search your car? If I say yes, he doesn't need a warrant because I've consented away my right, right? And so here at this point, the governor has told us to shut down. Uh, Park City has shut people down and, and told them not to open their businesses but they don't have a right to do that under the constitution. In fact, they're civilly liable. And in fact, I didn't get into title 18, section 242, but there's also criminal penalties for shutting some or depriving someone of their rights under the constitution. So not only should these officials be looking at potential civil penalties and being held personally liable uh, for monetary damages, they should also look at criminal penalties, which range from misdemeanor, you know, up to a year in, in jail, uh, up to $1,000 and up to the death penalty. It, it, it literally says that in our U.S. code that you can be killed for violating someone's rights. You know, wow. that, that would be something that is uh, much more extreme, of course, probably, you know, denying someone of their own life. And, but it ranges to say that this is something serious. This is something that's not only protected by the Constitution, but our, by our U.S. code. And there's case law to back it up as well. So if we get back to... Uh, what's going on in Park City, for example, I would advise those businesses to open up. You have a constitutional right to do that. If they come and shut you down, then they are liable, not only for civil and criminal penalties, but they, they may also not get reelected if it's someone who's elected. So that, that's the point I was getting to. Or maybe they're dismissed because they're an unelected official. 
So it, it may not only have civil and criminal penalties, but also political ramifications. And that's what we need right now. We need people standing up because if we're consenting away our rights, then they have plausible deniability. They can say, well, you chose not to open. I just told you to close down. I didn't force you to close. I, ne I never came in and shut you down, literally. Okay, so if that's not the case, then I'm going to open up. And I'm not going to consent away my rights by saying, yeah, go ahead and search my car. I'm going to assert those rights and say, I have a right to run my business. And that's what I'm going to do. We need people with courage to step up and to exercise their freedoms and not consent it away. You know, if I go back to that example, you know, what if I start saying to the police officer, I've got a fourth amendment right to, you know, against a, a unreasonable search and seizure, like, no way you can't search my car. Well, I don't think that that's very effective, right? That that just gets someone mad at you. And, and then I may be on the next police brutality news report because I was being a jerk, right? So I'm not saying to to establish this, this feeling of uh, conflict. We really want to have cooperation with these police officers. Believe me, these police officers don't want to shut businesses down either. These are great men and women who are keepers of the peace. And so when they have to go and enforce this unconstitutional law or policy or whatever we call it, but we say it's under color of law, so it looks like a law, then I, I would have a conversation with the police officer to say, you know what, I, I appreciate what you're doing and I know that you're doing your job, but can I show you what, uh, you know, U.S. code says about this? You know, you personally as a police officer could be criminally and civilly liable for violating my rights. And I just want you to know that you don't have to follow that unelected health officials guidance here because we have a US code and a constitution that says that this is the law of the land and this is the supreme law of the land. And in fact, you know, I, if I were talking to them as, as someone who has taken an oath to uphold the constitution, you know, when I was sworn into the Utah and Idaho bars, I took that oath multiple times. And I would look at them and say, you know, you have taken an oath to uphold the constitution as well. Well, what constitution do you want to uphold? One that supports liberty, one that supports rights, or one that says an unelected health official can destroy all the businesses in Utah, all the small businesses in Utah. Which one do you want to support? And just so you know, I, this isn't a threat, but I want you to know that you don't have to follow that because this law says you don't. And if you do, then I may hold you civilly liable and you may be prosecuted for it as well. And so just, I want you to be aware of your consequences before you make a decision. And I think it's a really important point to tell business owners, you never had to shut your business down. Now, could they get a fine thrown at them? Could they get arrested like that woman, Shelly, the salon owner in <clears throat> Dallas? We'll be seeing a lot more stories like that, but she was one of the first ones to be that assertive and that clear on her rights. And she was just very grounded and you know, a judge actually, I, I think is corruption in the judicial system. The judge literally said, if you don't say you're sorry and say that you're selfish, then I'm going to send you to jail. And she said, it's not selfish to want to, to, to be able to, to feed my children. But I would like to point out that not only do the business owners need to realize that, that they have the right to reopen, that they have, that they were told there was a rule, not a law. It was an unconstitutional rule. We are not going to have a hard time making our case. Do we know that we're going to win? No, because for all we know, we have some, I don't know if we have corrupt judges in, in Utah. I mean, Pennsylvania does. Uh, whoever, the Supreme Court of Wisconsin upheld the constitution of their state and of their country. 
Um, and so that's very, very, as a, like you said, a big win for, for precedent. I also want to point out that one of my goals in getting involved in spearheading this, this um, lawsuit against many officials in Utah is that I want to, in the next six months before the next election, I want everybody running for office to sign on a piece of paper that they promise this will never happen to us again. Not on our, not on our watch kind of a thing. I want them up on stages at these, these public events that are going on, but I want to, I, and I, I want those who are elected officials already elected. I mean, our governor's on his last term. He's not, he's not running again in November. I don't know why he's not braver. I don't know why that this, I don't know why this Republican governor who is supposed to stand for freedom. I don't know if he's been in government too long or what, but his, his, uh, Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox is running for office this year and Governor Herbert has endorsed him. And he's been a huge part of empowering the health department officials from illegally shutting down tens of thousands of Utah businesses. But these guys ran around and just quietly told every dentist, every every doctor, um, every salon imposed all these draconian rules. Okay, as long as we accept this, we're saying we're tacitly accepting we are complicit if we go, well, okay, I guess we have to, you know, wear a mask every time we get our hair done. And I guess we have to, you know, follow these 18 rules or we might go to jail. That's not okay. But I want to, I want to say, because I've owned businesses now for 35 years, this kind of business for 33 years, that it's not as easy as people think. Like there are some libertarian groups here in Utah. They keep telling me, well, we have to get these businesses to just go open up. Listen, yes and no. Yes, they have the right to. Yes, I will defend them. I will defend them to the death. I mean, I may be a keyboard warrior, but that's what I'm good at is communicating and writing. If there is a time to do more than that, I, on, on this is my word, I will do more. I will do whatever it takes. I've already told my kids, hey, whatever happens to your mom, I'm choosing liberty and it might not be pretty for me. Just know that that's what I cared about is your future. I want to point out that if a restaurant owner in this climate that was created by our fourth branch of government, I can't remember who is it who said this, maybe you know, Garrett, but they've said the fourth branch of government, you got the executive, legislative, judicial, is the media. The media as an arm, and, and, and you aren't paying attention if you haven't noticed that our media is an arm, is an extension of this socialist takeover. Our media has made people so scared and have gotten gotten people believing in this fiction that if everybody doesn't wear a mask and everybody doesn't stay home and everybody doesn't voluntarily agree to long-term unemployment, that we're jeopardizing, that we must want old people to die. That is a fiction. That is a fiction that was created by your media who is completely silent on the, on the area of human rights. And that's why you got to have independent media like yours truly bringing brave attorneys like Garrett on here. They're selectively um, silent on human rights because there's some human rights that they will pound, 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 but they're but the, right now they're choosing to remain silent. Right, abortion, LGBTQ, uh, you know, race issues, yes, but like all of us, the rights that all of us are supposed to have, like the Constitution. Don't go to the ACLU and bother trying to find their lawyers to do this class action lawsuit and put a lot of their own time in for free, like like Garrett Smith is doing. Forget about that. That is not at all their agenda. But I want to point out that it's tough for a business owner. Let's use a restaurant as an example. Um, and, and I agree with all the libertarians and all those who love justice and freedom saying, hey, business owners, go out there and just open. 
Here's the thing. The media, that fourth branch of government, that fourth illegal branch of government, um, the most powerful entity in the world is the media, has made people so scared of this virus that if you owned a restaurant and you opened it up illegally, you might find your windows broken the next morning. I mean, I think I texted you last night, Garrett, that somebody has put a petition out there that for one of the, the group that, you know, you and I know both of them, that they've been putting on these rallies. And every week or two, it's in a different place around the state. And it kind of has a different theme each time. But they have a concert coming up where they're taking a stand for freedom. They're not flaunting it. They're not saying, ignore the social distancing. Don't wear your mask. They're not saying any of that. But they're having a concert. And as of last night, this petition that someone is out there circulating had 1,800 signatures of people, of people telling Kaysville City and the mayor who has agreed to this because she must love she must love freedom, saying we want that thing shut down. I mean, keep in mind these are people who weren't even going to go to the concert. They're literally saying, "I want to give up all of our freedom. I want everyone's freedom canceled," because there's a chance a point one two eight percent chance. If you look at the worldwide incidence, it's a point one two eight percent chance that I might get a virus at some point, and so I want to cancel all of human life that involves human beings engaging with each other. So John and I, you know, already emailed and said, we are for the concert. We are for people gathering in a park in the summer, like people have done since the dawn of time. But my main point is it's not, we, we can tell the business owners that, but if you're going to reopen your restaurant, please understand as a business owner, what you're asking me to do if I owned a restaurant, because I used to own one, is go spend thousands of dollars on food to potentially have my own clientele turn on me and say that they won't come and frequent my restaurant and maybe even commit acts of vandalism. I want to call on any citizen of my state or anywhere else because a lot of the reason we are participating in this lawsuit is we hope for a win that helps everybody else around the country. And and Garrett Smith is an amazing high integrity human being. His, uh, you know, this other attorney who's joining us, I haven't met him yet, but Neil Skousen has an amazing family history. The Skousens are well known in Utah for being constitutional scholars. So it sounds like he's really carrying on his uncle Cleon Skousen's legacy. Um, and and I, I just want to point out that as citizens, we have to support vocally with our dollars and with our feet. We have to support these businesses. We have to encourage them to open. We have to say, if you open your restaurant, you know, I will come and have dinner there with my family and I will tell everyone on social media about it because this is a small business. You know, Tangie's Cafe in American Fork opened a couple weeks ago and I actually think it was legal for them to open, but you know, they were one of the first ones to do so. But yeah, McDonald's, huge public company, it's a bunch of guys around a boardroom, bunch of fat cats who are all worth tens of millions of dollars deciding how they can squeeze more profit out of every hamburger don't care about your health at all. Don't care about being good citizens. I'm talking about these dying small businesses. I don't know how our restaurants will even open again. I, I'm, I'm just wondering, like historic Park City Main Street it was thriving. There's 10 art galleries there. It's become this art mecca um, in the United States. Just amazing local artists. They canceled Silly Sunday Market for the whole summer and fall. It's only May right now. Canceled it for the whole summer and fall. Um, which brings in tourists. Park City Main Street, I'm just imagining it in a year from now. And I don't think most, most parkites understand this. They don't understand that we have 10 times more restaurants than we as locals can support. 
even if we really care about voting with our dollars and voting with our feet. Um, we have, because we rely on tourism. Like I'm just imagining it will all be boarded up and weeds growing everywhere. Like what is happening to our state? So as consumers, as the non-business owners, please speak up. Please look for every single way you possibly can to speak up. We're building this software. I don't know if I told you about this, Garrett, but we're building a software where with one click, you can tell your governor and lieutenant governor what you think about their shutdowns. You don't even have to know all the issues to write the letter. I wrote the letter for you. And I wrote a whole bunch of them so that they're getting different letters. They're not just all getting one letter. So our new website is takeactionforfreedom.com. If the campaign you want isn't there, just sign up on our mailing list because we are building campaigns right and left. We just got started with this super expensive software but I'm really excited about it. We're excited to support Garrett. What else do you want to say about constitutional rights we're guaranteed? I love that you have this like encyclopedic recall of the different sections of U.S. code and the Constitution. What rights do we have that you haven't touched? And I love that you touched on the antitrust laws that are being violated right and left. I mean, what Tony Fauci and the CDC did in engaging with foreign entities illegally after, I mean, they, they actually lost in the Supreme Court over this, but then they went and, and did it again. You know, they patented the virus. They patented the vaccine. How is it they were doing human trials at the beginning of March when supposedly we had our very, we had just barely had our very first case? Those are that you talked about the Sherman Act, the Sherman Act and the Clayton Act are supposed to keep us from having these unfair trade practices. So, I mean, we, we could talk for hours about all these things because it's in, you know, Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution that, that talks about uh, some of those restrictions or, or really what Congress has the power to do. And it talks about, you know, trademarking and things of that nature. But, but then they t use that necessary and proper clause to, they call it the rubber band clause, because what else is necessary and proper? Let's just say that we can do all these other things as well. No, they were specific. They limited it to Article 1, Section 8. We shouldn't go beyond that. And so there's, there's these numerous laws, these numerous uh, amendments that we can look to. But if I could just echo what, what you're saying about the necessity for the people to speak up. You know, there's, there's a few ways that freedom of speech can be taken away. You know, it can be done by uh, private companies, as we've seen with Facebook and YouTube, they'll take down what they don't want to see. And that's not a violation of the Constitution per se, because the Constitution just restricts government action. But it should, you know, spark something in other people to say, well, we need to come up with an alternative to Facebook or an alternative to YouTube because they're censoring everything. And the, the public at large may not understand what that means. You know, something that's persuasive is if someone posts on my Facebook page, you know, I, I'll use this as an example, not my Facebook, because I don't post anything. I never get on Facebook. But if I did, and I just removed everything that they said, I would be very unpersuaded by their arguments because they're, they're scared to engage in a conversation. What would be more persuasive is to say, okay, I acknowledge what you're saying, and here's my response, counterpoints. And then you counterpoint and let's have a discussion back and forth. That's freedom of speech at its best. That's deliberation at its best. But when we're only told one thing, then that really is freedom of speech being taken away. And once again, we're consenting away our rights. It isn't that we don't have freedom of speech right now. 
because I can go out and say whatever I want on news media or on Facebook or on YouTube. Yeah, sure, private companies may take it down and, and now I don't have that anymore. But I am being conditioned to consent away my liberties. I'm being conditioned by the media to not say certain things because people will come and smash my windows with bricks or people will, will jump on and say that I, I hate old people because I'm not taking care of them, right? There, it's such uh, a vicious cycle of tearing down those that are standing up for liberty. And so my answer to that is stand up for liberty anyway speak more. Maybe you can't do it in social media. Maybe it's neighbor to neighbor. Maybe it's a grassroots effort, whatever it may be. Use every avenue possible. And, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of George Washington. And one of the things that he said that's always stuck with me is, if the freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent, we may be led like lambs to the slaughter. And if that doesn't sum up what's going on with COVID right now, I don't know what does. That we are being conditioned to say that we're, we're haters, that somehow we hate the elderly if, if we don't social distance and quarantine ourselves. That's not true at all. Have we asked the older people how they feel? You know, I've actually asked my grandma. She's in her 80s. She does have pre-existing conditions. She would be a high-risk individual. And I've spoken with her and I say, well, what do you think about what's going on? My dad's spoken with her. Well, what do you think about what's going on? And she said, you know what? I could have died at any time. You know, she, she had a really bad um, situation last fall. And she said, I want to enjoy my life. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to die alone. I want to see my grandkids. I want to see my great grandkids. Once again, we go back to if we're, if we're so focused on preserving life, have we forgotten about quality of life? Is that quality of life for these aging grandparents, great grandparents to not be able to see their kids, grandkids, great grandkids. And, and I would argue that nothing about what we've seen has anything to do with caring about our elderly. Someone needs to explain to me why Governor Cuomo mandated that all COVID-19 patients be accepted by these elder care facilities and hospice facilities, and they can't even, they can't even require testing. So if this was about saving our elders, then somebody riddle me that why we are forcing the most vulnerable people in those facilities to take on COVID-19 patients in these long-term care facilities. I don't, I don't believe it. I don't think that that was ever what this was about for most people. And I'm not saying that people who are executing on it and the frontline folks, I'm not saying these are bad people. I, they believe in what they are doing and they're probably just doing their darndest everywhere all over the world to help these people. But the forces behind the takedown of our Republic. And I believe it is nothing less than that. I didn't start into this. I started speaking up about this on February 27th and I did not, I did not see it until, you know, hundreds of hours of research. It started to very clearly, I became aware that there's really no avoiding that there are people with some significant agendas that are not in our best interests um, who are at, at, at work here. And I really hope that people will not accept the propaganda. My Facebook Live yesterday when we went and stood in front of our favorite restaurant and said, here's what's happening. Don't think we're really reopening. Like you need to stop saying that and stop lulling yourself into complacency that, well, we've reopened. I mean, we only see people saying that all day, every day, and they don't realize most of these businesses are not going to reopen. And if they do, they have to live with the PTSD of the precedents now being created. They never thought that 
a mayor or a city council or a health department official or the lieutenant governor can just on a whim shut them down. And they, and they are going to. They plan to be able to shut us down. They're already warning us. This was a test run. We're, we're establishing precedent right now. If, if we lay down and let this happen, we're establishing precedent. But if we're willing to say freedom is worth it, you know, Patrick Henry, I know he's quoted quite often saying, give me liberty or give me death. If we're willing to have freedoms, not only for ourselves, but for future generations, even Ronald Reagan said that, you know, uh, freedom is only one generation away from extinction. It has to be in the blood of all people. It has to be fought for it every generation. And what we're seeing right now is people consenting away their rights and, and asking the government to not only take away their rights, but turning in their neighbors. This is Nazi Germany. You know, th this is what we've always been warning about for years and years and years, yet we're seeing it unfold. And a lot of it has to go, uh, or it goes back to what you said, the indoctrination, the propaganda. You know, I would highly recommend Animal Farm. It, it just keeps coming to my mind as we're talking. It's a three hour audio book. It's a really short read. Go read that and, and really start to open your mind. I love Robin, you said you've spent hundreds of hours researching this. You know, at the end of the day, if all we're doing is watching news and media, we may know talking points, but we have no concept of principle. We may be able to regurgitate what someone else says, our favorite, you know, co-host or whatever, but that doesn't get us to the principle of what we're talking about. And the principles here are, we have freedom, we have a responsibility, to support ourselves, to support our families. Look at these business owners that can't support their employees anymore. Look at these families that own businesses that can't support their families anymore. And if we turn to the government as a parent to, to bail us out, so to speak, with all these stimulus plans, even the last one, three mil, a trillion more that's coming down the pipe, you know, that we're, they're working on. Um, AOC, right? Ocasio-Cortez, who, who is just way extreme is saying that we should suspend rent for the rest of the year. How does that impact the second biggest industry in our country next to healthcare, which is the rental industry, right? Property management, they, they are destroying America and we need to wake up and say, this isn't sustainable. And if they really cared about life, then they should focus on other areas that cause more death, far more death per year than COVID. You know, everybody is making these links to we saw people willingly get on boxcars and go to the gas chambers because they they were everything was so teed up post World War One that in Nazi Germany, people were they were terrified. They were hungry. They were eating cigarette butts out of the street. They they were looking for someone to save them. They were in the exact same vulnerable position that our media has put us in. There is nothing to fear about this this virus. Yes, we should leave the, the elderly and the fragile you know, in, in the nursing home, no different than flu, but this thing literally kills 0.1%, maybe 0.2%, dozens of studies now documenting this, but it's not just, uh, it's not just Hitler's Germany, where again, there was again, a perfect storm like this, and you had to decide whether you're going to stand up for freedom or not. There are people who saved themselves and they spent the rest of their lives in jeopardy, saving others. But I want to point out that there are examples throughout history, and it always it goes to like the most successful campaigns to take down amazing civilizations was when they get the people to do it voluntarily. Like Garrett has very articulately laid out, listen, go. In fact, we'll put this in the show notes. Uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, um, a little 15 minute documentary about the Holodomor. Okay. 
people know about Nazi Germany. It, you know, Stalin in the Ukraine killed millions and millions of people, way more than, there's lots of dictators who just, you know, Hitler gets a lot of attention in history class, but Stalin killed way more people in the Holodomor and he, he purposefully starved them to get to death. He purposefully took control of transportation channels and the food and the food distribution networks and he starved millions of people. There were 28,000 people a day dying in the Ukraine, um, in the Holodomor. Uh, make sure you take a look at, there's some great fiction books or nonfiction books I've read about Chairman Mao's cultural revolution. They got mothers to turn on daughters. If it is unthinkable to you that people are being encouraged to tattle on their neighbors and they go on social media and they say, look at me tattling on somebody who isn't wearing the mask and who's walking around in the park and got five feet away from somebody or whatever it is. Remember that this has happened in history over and over and over again on many continents to many people. And we are educated, smart people I know have completely bought in the propaganda. Say no to the propaganda. Do not call yourself or other people essential or non-essential. This is nothing more, nothing better than propaganda. I see people wearing a, a Facebook badge that says, I am an essential worker. Please never say this to anyone ever again. If you ever have to use those words, I hope you only do it to mock it, to mock it because everyone is essential. And that is what Garrett is fighting for. Or sign up if you know anybody who owns a Utah business, okay? Our URL, the link you can go to is utahclassaction2020.com. You know what else? We really need some help. We need some help and we'll give you the lists and you're calling Utah businesses and you're explaining to them what we're doing. You're getting them to fill out the application. So that's where the application is. It'll be in the show notes, but write this down. If you've got your phone handy in your notes, put utahclassaction2020.com. And if you would like to volunteer, we're just making phone calls, sending emails, helping us out. We would love some help. And that's utahclassaction2020.com slash volunteer. So we'll have that down below too. If you care about freedom like Garrett and I do, if you have some time to give us for a couple hours a night in the evenings right now, we really need some help. So please fill out the volunteer form there. Um, Garrett Smith, thank you for caring about freedom. You're uh, you're, you're, he's not as young as he looks. He's in his mid thirties, having his fourth baby, but, um, thank you for caring about freedom and thank you for caring about Utah and thank you for caring about your country enough to do this. Every other, every other attorney I talked to, there was one who's the best civil rights attorney in the state. And after he really thought about it and he's like, my wife and my kids are going to be mad at me for doing this. He really believes that the virus is just going to, you know, killing that. That was probably the big thing that made him resistant. He really believes there's a very, very virulent virus out there killing people. And even though he was all in for the civil rights part of it, and he's won class action suits and he's the best civil rights attorney in the state. Several people told me he, um, he doubled his retainer. He doubled his retainer to take this case and wouldn't budge off $500 an hour. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm a I'm a single mom putting my last two kids through college by myself, zero dollars of help from their other parent. I, I can't do that as much as I want to. And you fell out of the sky. I believe you were sent to me by God. I know that your, your partner, Gary said the same thing. And I, and I have to run with that. And even though it's costing us right now, a lot of time and effort to do this, 
Um, it's absolutely worth it if it means we get closer to freedom. Um, and so I really want to thank you for being the amazing human being you are. And of all the terrible things that have happened in the last three months, the new friends and the new uh, people I've met who are warriors for freedom like yourself are such a great blessing to me. They're really the silver silver lining in this cloud. Do you have any final words for uh, people listening and then tell them where they can follow you? Thanks, Robin. I, I just wanted to say thank you. A uh, big shout out to you for what you're doing as well, because sometimes when you take a political stance, you alienate some of your clients and, you know, and, and you've got a great following. And, and so it's really impressive that you're standing up for liberty as well. You know, freedom is so essential. I, I just think that we, if we're not fighting for freedom, there's really little uh, quality to our lives. You know, what's, what's the state of things that I'll leave for my kids? Like you said, I've got my fourth on the way. Eventually they'll have kids. There's grandkids, great grandkids. These stimulus bills are just putting our uh, posterity in poverty. This is not a viable solution. We need these businesses to open and we need to exercise reason. And, you know, Thomas Jefferson said a lot of great things. And, and one thing that's been on my mind uh, that he said is those who would trade freedom for a little bit of security deserve neither freedom nor security. And I think that this battle will be fought in the minds of every person. Like I said, I fought it in my own mind at the start of this virus thinking, whoa, is this the end of the world? Is this really, even if it was, even if we had lost uh, 10 million people as of right now, does that justify the government's overreach and taking away our rights? We should govern ourselves. We are all about self-government. And if we don't take the time to be constant or constantly vigilant, like Benjamin Franklin said, to understand constitutional principles, to know it as a people, to share it with others, then we may lose freedom because we can't remain in a state of civilization in ignorance. We have to understand it. And so really that's the call to action here is not only to volunteer to be involved, but study the constitution. Few people have read it, few people have read it this year for sure. And uh, you know we have the opportunity to stand up to fight for liberty and also to make an impact in our communities and, and in this war that's raging in the minds of, of all Americans right now. And, oh, you can, you can reach me uh, at my website, www.integralaw.net, I-N-T-E-G-R-A-L-A-W.net. My open letter that I wrote to the state of Utah is under the We Are Essential tab. And I specifically put that to say that all of us are essential. If we put food on the table, then we're essential and no one can tell us that we're not. Um, and then you can also follow us at the Integral Law Facebook. There's other ways, but, but that website's a great place to start and, and get some of the um, thoughts that I originally had on the matter, as well as some of the codes that I've referenced. So thanks again, Garrett. That's where you can find him. He is an amazing attorney who's honest. All the jokes about attorneys, you got to throw them out the window when it comes to Garrett. Other people have told me how high integrity he is. So I feel very blessed to have him on our team. Make sure that you go to our brand new website, which is all about these one-click campaigns where you can speak very quickly and very articulately to the president, to your legislators in Congress, in Washington, 
to your governor and lieutenant governor, to your city council and mayor. Make sure you check all that out. You want to be following at takeactionforfreedom.com. Thanks everyone. See you next time.